Yo, this is Steve Bloom, and you're watching Moana Nui Podcast. We'll be starting soon. Don't go anywhere. I'm Veronica Taylor, and from myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you! Um, thank you for being here at DragonCon. We're very excited for you to be here. Of course, we're the Morning Nui Podcast. And of course, uh, for those that may not know you in the audience, can you give everybody a, a short bio, a little bit about yourself so they can kind of know the amazing person that you are? <laughs> uh, my name is Samantha Avila. I'm an art director in film and television. I uh, live in Los Angeles. That's where I work, but I've actually been out here for the last uh, three years and the last three shows I've done here. Um, so as an art director, I work um, in the art department. Uh, the production designer is the head of our department. And uh, as art directors, we are kind of their, their team leaders that help um, run the art department. So we have set designers, construction, illustrators that we uh, work with on a daily basis and we communicate with every other department um, and so as an art director we really get to be involved almost with the entire filmmaking process but uh, oh, thank you so much but the uh, the production designer is uh, the head of the art department mm, okay and of course you've worked with a lot of different movies like if any of y'all that are watching, if you go to her, look her up on IMDb, it's like the list that you have of uh, all these amazing movies that you had a part of to make uh, make it become this beautiful element that comes on the screen. Uh, out of all the movies you worked with, which are your like top two, and and why there you know you enjoyed it so much? Hard <laughs> um, not just because it's recent, but because it was an incredible experience was Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm. Um, it was a character I loved growing up. He meant a lot to me as a nerdy, science-driven kid, and he was awkward. And I loved the films growing up, and so to be able to be on that film was like a dream come true. Um, Another one that was kind of in the same boat was Jurassic World. I was assistant art director on that. So getting, again, to live out my dreams with dinosaurs, which is one of the films that inspired me. Jurassic Park inspired me to get into art department. Um, every single film has its own beautiful challenges and things that come out of it that you take with you the rest of your life, moments that you can't ever replicate. Um, I think those those were the two, really. <laughs> um, and I know they're big blockbuster features, but I can't tell you how many times, even on small things, yes. um, 
for instance, one of the ones recently was Our Flag Means Death. I was doing it because I was excited to work on a pirate ship with Taika Waititi and uh, our designer, Rob Vincent, and got to really see this blossom, especially here at the con, and how much people love it, how much it means to people. Um, things like that, that even though you think they're small, they have huge impacts. Mm -hmm. So as an art director, um, do you uh, first like see the vision like through a mood board, or do you have like people like production designer come in to like create kind of like the vision for you and you're like the architect that like tells them what to do? Uh, it's a bit of both. It's this very creative process and it's kind of like cooking and everybody's bringing ingredients but you're not sure what they are yet. Uh, recently we were saying at work it's almost like a, a puzzle that you're putting together but you don't have the puzzle pieces yet. And so the designer has a vision. They always are coming with illustrations or an idea, color palette, references and you start with that and as an art director you're usually given a specific number of sets on a bigger show um, or even on smaller shows um, say you have 150 sets wow. you are given um, however many of those sets and sometimes it's more and sometimes it's less depending on the size of the show um, and from there the designer will kind of give you a rough idea or or an idea of what they want and you as an art director go down this path of it's like a journey every single time. I learn new things every single show, the references and the research, and you're pulling colors and wallpapers, looking at di different architectural references, historical references. And so as art directors, you really help flesh out that idea for the designer, always keeping them in the loop and always talking with them and a lot of times a lot of other departments. So you're figuring out the logistics of how to do a set. So. Um, for instance, on Our Flight Means Death, uh, we had this pirate ship. Well, there's a lot goes, that goes into a pirate ship beyond just the set. It's thinking about, hey, we have to, Stunts has to kick over uh, these pirates all over the side of the ship. Well, our ship wasn't on the water. Mm -hmm. It was uh, um, at a stage, a WB, with a volume set, which um, or half a volume set, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a giant LED backdrop. Mm -hmm. um, it's a new technology that's really fun to work with. And so you have to think about things like padding the, the rail of the ship and then painting it the same color as the ship. And so you're working with that department, our rigging department, like I've never done a rope ladder. <laughs> so we had an expert, a ship rigging expert you bring in. And so it's this, this collaborative process and you're all kind of <laughs> no pun intended, rowing the ship together mm -hmm. to get to a destination that you don't really know yet. Um, and so uh, hopefully that answers no, the yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to like um, like designing these pieces, like um, I'm sure you have, you guys have like a budget for like however many people you need, but for you, like what's like the ideal number for you to have like on your team? Like to, that can oh, help for you people. assemble? Yeah. It depends on the show, to be honest. Um, I've worked on teams that are me and the supervising art director and the designer, or just me and the designer. Um, and then there's shows like Jurassic World, or I just finished Guardians of the Galaxy 3, where you have five or more art directors, and you have 20 set designers <laughs> that are moving to finish the product. I, I can't say really if it's, there's an ideal, there's an ideal for a show. 
you know, there's no reason on a smaller budget independent show to have 40 people in the art department. Yeah. Um, that's not ideal for that situation, whereas a bigger show, it, it is ideal. Um, I would say my ideal world, like in the crew I'm working with right now, people who are inspiring and inspired and are creative, kind, patient, those are the people you want to work with that are bringing something to the table that are as excited as you. I was sitting in the panel yesterday with a visual effects artist who works on a lot of Marvel shows and the two of us are just riffing off each other like super excited talking about this material that we've got to work on. And so that's that that feeling that you want to have coming to work every day to, to play. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's professionalism, there's challenges you deal with every day, um, but you want a good team. You want a supportive team. And it also, I'm sure from the production designer's standpoint, we want to support them and their vision. Mm -hmm. um, so like on uh, indie proje projects that have like more of a limited budget, like, um, what are some things that you, as an art director, like would do to help like have some workarounds to make it still look the way you want to, but just with less like resources? Oh, um, I feel like there's a lot of tricks in a tool bag mm -hmm. that you have, and everybody has this, it's not just me, it could be our grip and electric construction department, that it helps having worked on indie projects mm -hmm. or in school working for no money. And so when you are brought into bigger projects, sometimes you're still using those low budget tricks. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always have to be spending a lot of money to deliver this great product. Now, sometimes it does. Sometimes you have to have a lot of money for a giant steel frame that you have to build. Mm -hmm. But then there's certain things where paint finishes, if you have a creative way, and this just comes from experience that you've worked with in the past, you can bring that to the table. And so with a lower budget, you're constantly, I think there's a lot of what our department and our direction is, you're constantly problem solving. Mm. That's probably one of the biggest skill sets, problem solving and communication. So you are consistently trying to think of outside the box. Like this is the way it's been done before, but like what if we took this wall and put it here mm -hmm. and then put it up? Like, oh, we'll be saving a lot of money that way. And But it's not just you, you have your construction coordinator, production mm -hmm. designer, um, set designers who are also very experienced and so you're all coming together to go okay wait again with the puzzle pieces like well if we turn this and put this here and oh that, that'll work and so you're constantly going through that world and it is a struggle I think on lower budget shows you can't achieve the full vision but I'm also seeing that on larger budget shows that y you're never gonna achieve that sometimes because there's always a play with budget um, it's just on lower budget films, um, you're keeping that in the back of your mind all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it makes you more creative yeah. limits, yeah. you know? <laughs> so as far as, you know, with all of the movies you've um, worked with and everything, what are your top two movies that if you had a chance past or future movies that you would love to have been to work on any of those? Um, I feel like in a way I've kind of gotten to live out my dreams in a bit, like I, in my own way, I was a total nerd growing up, so like, Spider-Man I got to work on, got to work on Jurassic Park film, 
I got to build a pirate ship. I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean for reference. Um, <laughs> but as far as a historical film, I, I think there's some beauty in uh, older films. Um, one or two. Gosh, I, I think I... It's a hard one, I guess, because there's so many that come to mind um, that influenced me. I... Oh gosh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I have one or two films. Oh, there's so many. I think getting to learn on something like 2001, Space Odyssey would be amazing. Um, and then for my own personal nerdiness, some Tim Burton thing. Oh, you know what? E.T. Mm. I tell you what, that would be one. That, that film means so much to me, and I always keep coming back to it because it means something. And it's funny because I'm in that role now where people are telling me that, but I'm sure at the time it was just like any other film. Um, I think something like E.T. would have been amazing. Um, and then historically speaking, gosh, uh, so many films are coming to mind like um, in the history of filmmaking. And I just can't put my finger on it really right now. I don't know why this is coming to mind, but something like Lawrence of Arabia, mm -hmm. these kind of sweeping epics that you refer to, or Blade Runner, it's another one that people refer to in our industry as being almost like a verb, that they, you talk about these projects, like Blade Runner-esque, and they, because they've shifted our view of what filmmaking is, um, or how art departments work. Um, but I'm going to put Blade Runner actually up there as well. I know I gave you a lot of films. That's okay. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, there's big ones that come to mind that I think, gosh, that would have been really amazing mm -hmm. to work on. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 2001 and Blade Runner. Okay. I think. Yeah. Nice. Well, of course, uh, we like to be respectful of your time, so we're coming towards the end of our uh, time slot. But um, can you tell, um, for those that may be interested in following you, learning more about your projects or anything, a ways, social media or websites that they can um, follow um, to keep abreast of things that you're doing and um, or organizations you're working with? Uh, yeah, so right now I'm working with uh, Beth Mickle on the next Francis Ford Coppola project, Megalopolis. Mm -hmm. Um, IMDB, you can find my credits there, and then I do have a website, uh, it's www.samantha-avila.com, um, and no other organizations, but yeah, that would be the best way to find me and reach out. Do you have social media for them to find you at, or are you more off the grid? I'm more off the grid. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do, I do have an Instagram. Um, if you do want to reach me through Instagram, it's Sam C. Avila. Um, but just shoot me a message first, okay. so I know who you are and what you're uh, looking for. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and look forward to our next interview.
what's your name and where are you from? Hi, I'm Shazzy Dazla and I am from St. Louis area. Okay, great. And do you have a Facebook or Instagram? I do, I'm Shazzy Dazla across both platforms. Awesome. And is this your first Dragon Con? It is my first Dragon Con. Okay, well welcome. Is this your first time cosplaying? It is not. I've been a cosplayer for about 13 years now. Okay, great. And what is one of your favorite cosplays? Obviously the Queen. Yes. And is that who you're dressed as today? Or this is who I'm dressed as today. Love it. And so since this is your first Dragon Con, what are three things that you like about it so far? I like the inclusiveness. I like the mindfulness for the mobility needs, and I really love that's uh, populated by fun people. Okay, great. And so, what's some advice that you can give to someone if they're looking to get into cosplay? Be creative. Okay, great. And then, what is some advice that you would give to someone else and this is their first Dragon Con? Uh, pace yourself. Good, that is definitely very smart. Well, that is it for my questions, but thank you so much and you look fabulous and happy Dragon Con. Hey, can I put a plug in? Yeah, go ahead. Everybody needs to come to the Dragon Con burlesque um, show tonight at 11.30. It's at the Sheridan. Come and see all of us burlesquers, cosplayers do a really great job for you and have a fun, fun night. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that as well, and we'll let our viewers know. Yeah. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it state of lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No work for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves can keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will We will So if we put Hawaii in a perspective Well, black and Asian history is interconnected Considering the fight with the Pacific Then of course, versus Asia They was treated as a middleman for war But didn't let the Western colorism run its course Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to core The land was taken in the name of capitalism When prior to it was an actual kingdom Clap back at the system Stuck between a rock and a hard place, multiple bombings of Koholave, as a part of their ongoing war with Asia, used it as a place for target practice, no consent or compensation, colonizers call for annexation, 